Welcome back to another episode of Justify Your Existence. I'm your host, Brendan Farrell, and I'm once again joined by James Murphy. James, say hello. Hello, folks. Hey, uh, yeah, so James and I both write for the Daily Journal. Uh, you can see all of our coverage at djournal.com and follow us on social at djournalsports. Um, you can follow James on Twitter at jsmurphymedia and myself at uh, bfarrell727. And uh, let's see, today is Monday, January 29th. Um, it's been an interesting weekend for Mississippi sports, and it will only get spicier on Tuesday. 100%. The um, indoor Egg Bowl should be a lot of fun. Lots to follow there. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of hard trying to figure out, like, a good um, sort of, I guess, moniker for, uh, like, let's let, like how to take the Egg Bowl and make it basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think I saw people uh, calling Florida, Georgia this weekend, like, the um, like world's largest you know, cocktail on hardwood or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll just I'll see if I can find it again. There, there's got to be a better name for it, right? Yeah, I don't know. There's got to be some kind of fun uh, name we can come up with other than just the Egg Bowl on, you know, the indoor Egg Bowl or whatever. I mean, the thing is the Little Egg Bowl's already been taken, so that limits your options. Well, that and, like, nobody... You know that, that's that's fine because it's high school versus college, but like making one egg bowl the little egg bowl when you're the same program is a little demeaning. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I guess you could go like, what's smaller than a bowl? That's still kind of a bowl. I feel like that would work well. I, I think it's just a bowl. I'm sorry. I think no, it's just yeah, a bowl. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess egg cup. I guess I'm not sure. I just figure smaller venue. Kind of matches up. I don't know. We'll 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 workshop it. Yeah. Sorry. The uh, I saw world's largest indoor cocktail party. That 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 works. But it's, it's still flows. the same idea that we're talking about, though. Yeah. But anyway, um, James, you were watching Mississippi State this weekend. Um, how how'd that go? You know, that could have it could have been a week that really set Mississippi State back in their chase for a spot in March Badness and obviously what they hope will be a little bit more than a first four finish. They lost to Florida on Wednesday in a game where Josh Hubbard scored a little bit of Tolu Smith. They got a little bit out of Tolu Smith and that was it. And on Saturday in a game they determined to be must win, they beat Auburn at home. It's their second top 10 win of the season. That's the first time they've had that happen since 2001-2002 season. It was a really big bounce back. It was a really big bounce back game, and it could have been pretty disastrous to their hopes. But they were able to avoid that for a lot of reasons. One, I think. I think the biggest being that I think Josh Hubbard has earned a starting spot. You know, off the bench against Florida, he led the team at twenty six, and then st- he started. Was notified ninety minutes before the Auburn game, led them with seventeen points, and he had a big, big three with about a minute and a half left that basically put the game away which was really big. And um, a a lot of the same themes that have been keeping Mississippi State going this whole year, like grit and toughness, really showed out in a way that was really important and just really paid off in a big way. And they've now put themselves in a a position to really take advantage and really make some noise in the SEC just to maybe shoot up the standings in a way that improves their tournament seeding or to just – 
get off the bubble entirely. They've put themselves in a really good position with a pretty interesting week coming up. Yeah, I know the schedule hasn't been super kind to them, but uh, three and four in the SEC feels a lot better than two and five. One hundred percent. And again, they've played some very, very tough games. Uh, Florida is uh, Florida is obviously no slouch, as you know. Kentucky has, I think, you could argue the most prolific offense in the country. Even in, I don't think many state fans will look at the losses they've had and be too upset about it, except for maybe Alabama at home, which they'll get to avenge this week. You know, the look. As I've said in a previous podcast, this is a very deep conference. There's a lot of teams that can make a lot of noise. I think you could argue that there's good. I think you could argue that more than half the conference will be in March Madness, or at the very least, competing for it. But um, yeah, you got to be pretty impressed with it because, as I as we talked about, the schedule lightens up just a little bit for them. Yeah, and I believe uh, last year they made the tournament with a losing record in conference play. Yeah, they did, and. Look, as I said, they're trying to build off of that in year two of the Chris Jans era, which, again, if you're beating two top ten, if you're doing something you haven't done in upwards of 20 years, that's a good step towards that. And um, this is, and um, not only that, but doing it the way that they did. Yeah, and it's also not like they had a killer run in uh, the SEC tournament that year either. They did not, and that's another thing they're trying to improve upon. And um, we're gonna learn if they're get, we're gonna learn if they'll be able to do that this week and in the coming weeks. I think the uh, kind of the theme of college basketball this year is just take care of business at home and pray for some wins on the road because it seems like nobody can win on the road. Yeah, and State's no different, at least in conference play on the road. They are 0-3 on the road in the SEC. Granted, again, one of those was at Kentucky and, you know, to, you know, as many people will say, almost no one goes into Rupp Arena and comes out with a win. But um, at some point, Given the expectations of the program and given the expectations of where they want to be, at some point they do need to be able to steal a win at home on the road against a team that can at least compete for March Madness. I mean, sure, but I mean, also like right now, I mean, State's got a couple of really solid wins. One hundred percent. Again, beating Tennessee at home is really big, and getting this Auburn win is really big. I believe that they they're somewhere in the ballpark of five and one against quad one opponents. Uh, they're three and four against quad one, um, three and one against quad two. Uh, the one that's going to kill them though is they do have a quad four loss. They do, which um, makes the hole they have to dig out of a little bit tougher. But they they've made a good step towards that recently. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that um, middle class of the SEC shakes out. You know, once you get past the uh, Alabamas and the Auburns and the Kentuckys of. The SEC, like, you've got a bunch of, like, good teams. So I think, you know, when you play at home, they can give anybody a run for their money. But I don't know how much beyond that. Yeah, it's interesting because, we, as you said earlier, it's very, very tough to win on the road in college basketball, especially this year. It seems like every top five team, the second they go on the road, they're just completely vulnerable. Part of that is the parity of the sport has skyrocketed. Part of that is because, well, even before then, it's just hard to do no matter what. But um, I do feel like at some point, the teams that are able to pull one out on the road against postseason caliber teams are going to be the ones that really are able to build off of that. Yeah, I think, you know, last week we talked a lot about, um, or two weeks ago, sorry. Uh, I think we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of state needing to find some depth behind Hubbard and 
you know, Tolu. And uh, it looks like they got some of that on against Auburn with uh, 12 from Shaquille Moore and 14 from uh Cameron Matthews, which was con, which was pretty converse to what happened against Florida, where Hubbard scored a lot, Tolu had a little bit more, had a little bit to contribute, and then nobody else sat, cracked double digits in terms of points. But yeah, they were able to get quite a bit out of the rest of their starters on a night where Tolu had his worst points performance in the entire season, which to me is really big to be able to do that against a top 10 team even without him doing that well but you know even DJ Jeffries who only had five points he led the team with 12 rebounds and we all know how Mississippi State really values those again it just shows the importance of a complete team effort just can everybody give enough can everybody do what enough of what they have to do in order to pull out a win and to be able to do that against Auburn and a little bit short-handed but is really speaks a lot to this team yeah, and uh, it's also a nice little double-double there for, for Matthews, too. 100%. He is characterized as a Swiss Army knife by Chris Jans and how he can really do a lot. To me, not only that, he was really able to dominate in the post. And much like rebounding, that's a big va- that's something that Mississippi State really values. Obviously, Tolu Smith's very good at that. Jimmy Bell Jr. coming off the bench. To be able to get Cameron Matthews to do that and spread the floor – and to be able to spread out the opposing defense, that's a really valuable thing to develop. Well, also, I think uh, if you needed any sort of, you know, I guess comfort that, you know, that defense is legit, uh, holding Auburn to you know, 58 points should make you feel pretty good. 100%. And Auburn, I think a lot of people will tell you, is the most balanced team in co- in the SEC, maybe one of the most balanced teams in college basketball. I think they have one of the best average point differentials if not the best in the conference and to be able to hold them to that that speaks volumes yeah and so uh i think i'm going to take it over to the uh other school in this game on tuesday if you don't mind go for it um you know Ole Miss with a uh big win on the road against texas a we just got done finishing you know talking about how nobody can win on the road um except if you're Ole Miss apparently um, and it just a kind of a really crazy, crazy game Saturday night. Um, you know, I watched that Florida Georgia game where Georgia came back from down 21 and then lost in overtime. Um, and somehow this was, uh, I think crazier. Something about when Ole Miss and Texas A&M play each other over the past year, they always seem to play crazy games. It doesn't, don't they? I suppose, um, you know, the the phrase that people always throw out there uh, when it comes to college basketball is that it's a, it's a game of runs, right? Um, and if I'm doing my math correctly, and if I am utilizing Stat Broadcast's uh, run tracker uh, correctly, which sometimes is debatable, uh, but what I came up with was uh, a 23-8 to Ole Miss run in the middle eight of college basketball we usually use that for football but i'm using it for basketball in this case um for Ole Miss to take a 41 33 lead like in the 16 minute mark or you know with 16 minutes left in the half texas a&m goes on an 18 to 7 run to lead 51 48 uh a&m led by as much as seven with uh, a little under four minutes to go mm-hmm. uh and then Ole Miss goes on a 9-0 run to take the lead yeah, it's all about who gets hot at the end in games like that. I mean, that's 
Olmus's ability to close out games is unbelievable. It is, and it's a really big factor to being able to win the most important games once you get to the end of February and March. And, you know, I think that over the next couple of weeks, uh, I, I feel like Ole Miss ha- does have a little bit to prove in the eyes of a lot of people. If you look at a lot of the rankings outside of the AP, you know, they're 57th in the net rankings and they're 64th in Ken Palm. Um, despite a 17-3 and record, it shows you that in the eyes of a lot of people, many of whom have, many of whom have the, the power to put teams in and out of the tournament, there is still a little bit to prove. And But a win like this on the road against a tough team, it really sp- speaks to their ability to do that. And that's, I believe that's going to be a quad one win for them because uh, I think you only need to be top 75 uh, if it's a win on the road. So, yep. Or I think the other team needs to be top 75. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as much as I sort of like to make fun of Ole Miss basketball and when it comes to close games and I sort of – uh, there's no way this can last or they can't keep getting away with it type deal. Because um, it is kind of funny that they have, uh, I was joking with you this the other day, they have what it has to be the worst win in the country, uh, which is that 70-69 uh, to 69 win over Detroit Mercy, who I believe is still winless. At home. At home. <laughs> um, you know, they've got that three-point win over Sam Houston, which isn't great either. Um, you know, just kind of all these weird games, but... Um, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. They just keep finding a way to do it. I, I just, you know, I think they're ranked second uh, on Ken Palm in luck right now. And, you know, sort of like just when you thought that maybe they were going to stop pulling these off. Nope. Right back at it with their uh, shenanigans here. Yeah, you know, this time, you know, as you get further and further to the end of the year, sometimes it doesn't matter how you win, whether it's ugly or pretty, just as long as you do win and you're able to pick those up. Oh, yeah, especially this year with, uh, again, everybody's inability to win on the road. Uh, frankly, I don't care how you win on the road right now. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of, like, Vanderbilt, I guess. Like, if you're going to go in anywhere in the SEC and win on the road, I think that's a good one. Yeah, got to be able to get that one. Um but uh, and this will we will probably talk about this more in a second here. But um, this was another really really bad um, game for Ole Miss on the defensive glass, um, and it sort of just kind of continues uh, a re- really uh, reoccurring trend here um, for Ole Miss because it has been an issue all season. Um, and you know I've been doing some reading on rebounding because it's like one of the big storylines for Ole Miss along with like three-point shooting this year. And typically teams are good at one and bad at the other or somewhere in the middle. They're usually not like good at both or bad at both. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that that is particularly true for Ole Miss this year because uh, right now they are uh, 346th in the country when it comes to offensive rebound percentage on defense. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but only 128th in offensive rebound percentage on offense. So they're only good at one kind of rebounding and the other they just can't get a figure out right now. They are totally passable when it comes to rebounding on offense, but they cannot stop giving up defensive rebound or they cannot stop giving up offensive rebounds on defense despite having, what, two seven-footers in the lineup? Yeah, obviously – with rebounding being as important as it is and against and with the competition coming up, which we'll talk more about later, it's really important to be able to 
be able to get those second chance opportunities on offense and on defense, just make sure the other team doesn't get theirs. And, you know, as as big as this Texas A&M win was, that's, that's going to be a pretty glaring one. Yeah, uh, Texas A&M had 18 offensive rebounds, while uh, Ole Miss had 21 uh, defensive rebounds. So mm-hmm. that's uh, not great. Glaring, to say the least. Yeah, and it's not the only time this has happened, and it's certainly not the only time it has happened in conference play. It's not, and going up against a team like Mississippi State that really, really values rebounding, um, got to get that one figured out quick. Yeah, so um, – yeah, I don't know. Did you have it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, they overcame thirty points from Wade Taylor the fourth from from Texas A and M. So yeah. that was uh, yeah, yeah, it was a big night for him. And uh, yeah, Ole Miss improves to two and two in uh, quad one wins. So they are fifty sixth in net right now. So um, they're hanging in there, but they they could really uh, use you know kind of they they could really beef up the uh, strength of record there. It is, and to me, talking a little bit more about this um, hardwood egg bowl, let's call it, this is going to be, to me, a couple of the biggest things to watch are, this feels like a bubble separator game. You know, one of those games where the winner is going to really be more of a surefire for the NCAA tournament and where the loser is going to have to work a lot harder. And it's going to be, and one of the other things is, I'm really interested to see the coaching battle between the the Chris's, if you will, Jans and Beard, um, both what they we obviously know that they both have a track record of success playing their kind of basketball, and I'm interested to see how each of that each of them execute their game plan to start, how each of them adjust, and those will be that'll be interesting to follow as the game goes on. Yeah, well, I think the other big storyline is that Ole Miss is undefeated at home. They are, and you know it's it's interesting because. And, and Mississippi State being 0-3 on the road in the SEC. So one of those, you, you wonder if that gives, because, and you wonder, you also wonder if it being not that far away from home plays as much of a factor. But, you know, obviously a lot, of, a lot at stake for both teams. Yeah, no, I can't imagine you're thrown too far off your rhythm uh, for this one. No. Um, but, yes, I, I will say that uh, when it comes to playing at home, though, like – uh, you know, what is Ole Miss's best win at home? Like, it's probably Florida. Um, you know, and Florida's a solid team, but they've also been kind of a disaster on the road. Uh, you know, there's that. I mean, they, they beat the brakes off NC State, but NC State's kind of falling apart lately. So, um, but I, I mean, undefeated at home is undefeated at home, I guess. Do you could you make an argument for Memphis, or are they having too much trouble on their, or are they having too much trouble to consider that? Uh, yeah, I think I'd still, I would think I'd still lean Florida. Oh, yeah, but you know, that's just me. Um, but yeah, so you know, we talked about rebounding. That's gonna be a problem against Mississippi State. Definitely, because not only. You know, Mississippi State, we, we saw with DJ, not just with Tolu Smith, but we saw DJ Jeffries, and we know Cameron Matthews can do that. It's not just they ha- that they focus on it. It's that they have plenty of guys who are able to execute that game plan and really focus on it and really value it. And it's, you know, obviously it creates a lot of second-chance points and really keeps the opponent from getting theirs. And I think game plan-wise, you got to figure out, first. well, first one, you have to be able to instill the importance of the stat and 
create a strategy that's able to at least try and compete with the guys in the strategy on Mississippi State's end in terms of getting those rebounds. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's like four of their worst offensive rebounding games this year. Uh, I think it's four of their five are um, – sorry, let me let me backtrack on that. Um, they've had a few bad offensive rebounding games in conference play. A couple of them they've gotten away with, with Florida and Texas A&M. But, I mean, like when they've gotten blown out by Auburn and um, Tennessee – they've just got destroyed on the boards too there. And in the, in the event for Ole Miss, that rebounding does become so much of a thing that they can't, I guess, out-wrestle Mississippi State on the boards. You wonder how much they try to focus on just perimeter shooting because Josh Hubbard's emergence aside, and it has been really valuable for the Bulldogs, they do still have some trouble establishing a consistent flow from the perimeter. Whereas Ole Miss, as we've seen, has does have that I guess fifth gear where they're able to really turn it on from beyond the arc so you wonder if the rebounding battle just gets out of hand in favor of Mississippi State just Ole Miss does Ole Miss just try to focus on attempting and making as many threes as possible yeah and well I will, I will say that's when we saw the when we saw State in Tupelo uh that was kind of the impression I had of State is they've got a lot of size they got a lot of big guys they do and one of the other big guys that I think could make a big impact, assuming he's able to return, is Keyshawn Murphy. You know, going back to that Tupelo game, pretty sure he led them in scoring. And what makes him so valuable is that he has a very valuable versatility and he provides a valuable depth. The versatility being that he has the size to be able to dominate in the paint where at, and also the shooting ability to be able to spread out the floor and make a shot from mid-range or from around, if not behind, the three-point line. And we saw what he was able to do against North Texas, and he's been out since January 6th against South Carolina with per- for personal reasons. Um, Chris Jans today did say he was trying to work his way back. Um, it, it's t- He might be back for Ole Miss tomorrow. He might be not be back until next week. It's, it's tough to say, but – you know, he's somebody that I think Ole Miss, I think Mississippi State could really use down the stretch. Well, uh, Mississippi, when it comes to college basketball, is a land of contrasts, it seems. Um, you know, we talk about rebounding. You know, you know, one team's really good at one, and one team's not so much at the other. Uh, I would say the other thing is uh, three-point shooting, right? Uh, you know, we're talking about Ole Miss, you know, who has become one of the better teams in the country at outside shooting after being one of the worst last year. Uh, they're shooting 38.4%. They're 17th in the country. Uh, Mississippi State is 280th, uh, which I believe is an improvement from where I saw them earlier in the year, mm-hmm. um, at 31%. So, um, you know, if you're worried about making the uh, – if, if you're worried about um, State getting some extra possessions, you have to make the most of all of your possessions, and that's where I think you start looking at yeah, definitely. It'll kind of be one of those things where, you know, the contrasting style, so whose strength shows up more on that kind of stage. But, yeah, um, I don't know. You got any other notes for this one? Well, just a lot of what I said. It's uh, going to be interesting to see who really separates themselves and gets closer and gets closer to moving off the bubble and more firmly into the NCAA tournament picture. And once again, if I'm doing my math right, uh, it's 
uh, quad one win for Mississippi State, uh, but not for Ole Miss. I believe so, yes. So um, we'll have to see how that one breaks down. And, uh, you know, once again, just take care of business at home and uh, good things happen. Generally seems to be it. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can, smash and grab on the road. 100%, yeah. And, again, State being 0-3 on the road in the SEC to be able to win this would be really big for them. Well, I just kind of figure in that group of, like, South Carolina, Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, you got to kind of separate yourself here. Yeah, and this will be a very big game to do that because we we know, it goes without saying how big rivalries are regardless of the sport. So obviously it's going to be very emotional. And in a way, I feel like that kind of prepares you for the tournament because obviously the tournament, both conference and NCAA are very emotional. So in a way, I feel like that aspect could really prepare these teams for those games down the road. I have to say it's really fun um, having a meaningful um, egg bowl on the court because that hasn't always been the case. It has not. Uh, I'm sure fans are going to be really excited for that. I can't imagine there's going to be an empty seat in that building. No, I can't Can't imagine. Um, so it should be a fun one on Tuesday. You got, uh, you got a prediction? <clears throat> you know... Again, it depends on strength. I don't see either team pulling away for very much, but I do have a feeling that Mississippi State will be able to do just enough down the stretch to win this one. Uh, just because you said that, I'm going to uh, roll with uh, Ole Miss's uh, home record and strength of play at home, and uh, I think they sweat it out because, once again, nobody is better at sweating out wins than Ole Miss right now. Yeah, and again, I, I don't see either team really being able to pull away because – one team being one good, really good at one thing and one team being really good at the other is going to make for like a whose strength wins kind of thing. Well, it just sort of seems like uh, trying to play a close game with Ole Miss this year is like starting a land war in Asia. <laughs> exactly, right. Or uh, going against a Cecilia when death is on the line. So, One of the classic blunders. Yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, uh, I, I, think, I think we're good here. Yeah, I think we are. No better place to end than on a on a set of movie references. Exactly. Um, so if you uh, want more of our Ole Miss or Mississippi State coverage, uh, feel free to check out our lineup of newsletters at djournal.com forward slash newsletters. Um, if you want to join the conversation with other fans, uh, feel free to check out our Mississippi State and Ole Miss sports discussion groups on Facebook. Yeah, you, you can uh, follow uh, the journal on Twitter at djournalsports. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at bferrell727 and uh, James at JS Murphy Media. Uh, thanks again for listening and uh, have a good one.